Hello, fellow planeswalkers, and welcome to Into the Ether Vortex. My name is Ninja Boy, your guide to all the different ways you can enjoy Magic the Gathering and how they all come together into something wild, wacky, and a little bit magical. Hope everyone's doing well. For my US listeners, I hope you had a great and safe Thanksgiving holiday. I spent my Thursday cooking all day and then passing out hard from a food coma before waking up on Friday to get in some games of Commander Legends Sealed over Spell Table with an online group I found called Cardboard Community. And while I did win one of my th- one normal round of Commander with my signature Omnath Hiders deck, uh, I also got three different games of Sealed In uh, with the various pulls I opened from my box of Commander Legends, which is why I didn't get this episode out on Friday, uh, though I s- maybe I should be looking into changing my release schedule to not be on Fridays if I'm not going to get actually get it out on Fridays. But in any case, I wanted to talk about my three Commander Legends pools and how the games with them went. So... In general, right, taking a step back, when it comes to playing sealed, I generally want to focus on playing my bombs, right? These are the cards I open at Mythic and Rare. These are, you know, the reasons to be playing the colors of the deck, right? If I have these color, these powerful cards, these are my most likely chance to be able to win a game of Magic, right? So I kind, I usually, even in non non Commander Legends sealed, try to optimize toward my powerful, um, my powerful rares and Mythics. Now, of course, in Commander Legends, that means finding commanders that fall within the color identity to support those rare and mythics. Inherently, right, that means that, you know, three color commanders will, uh, you know, generally be able to get more of those, you know, powerful cards in, assuming they fit in the colors. You know, and, you know, generally fixing seems to be, you know, solid enough here uh, in, in Commander Legends. Plus the fact that it's a four-player game means the game's going to extend out long enough that I don't think I have to worry too much about having fixing specific cards. Now, if a commander has a particular synergy, you know, I generally, of the 36 non-land cards in the deck, I generally will want at least 18 or so to fit within that strategy. Now, that's a bit harder to pull off in sealed as opposed to draft, where you can definitely get a consistent engine going, right, with a particular synergy, um, you know, but why, you know, whereas in drafting, you know, I can cut off a color pair or, or whatever the signal to the players are, I mean, hey, I'm going in this particular strategy, so, you know, it's kind of luck of the draw if I get enough of those effects, which, you know, if I'm deciding between two commanders, right, uh, if one has enough synergy pieces to go with it and one doesn't, I'm probably likely to go to the one with the synergy pieces. Now, keep those two kind of uh, rules of thumb in mind, you know, wanting a synergistic commander and wanting to play as many of my mythics and rares as possible when I'm talking about my pools and how and why I built what I did. Also, I'm going to include pictures of the final builds of my decks on Twitter uh, when this episode comes out. So follow me at EtherVortexPod and check out that thread to follow along to see how these turned out. So overall, I opened four and five sixths of a pool. Uh, I say five sixths because those last five packs were actually the pre-release kit I picked up for my local game store. Uh, three packs to draft, which I'm not going to actually be able to draft, uh, and two prize packs. However, that pool, I was actually open enough, luckily enough to open a foil at the Ramos Dragon God, or Dragon Engine, uh, one of the 32 reprints that uh, is importantly in a five-color identity, uh, which means that even if I was one pack short of the full six sealed pack, uh, I could pretty much include whatever card I wanted, um, which, you know, generally the reason you want to have at least six packs is to make sure you have enough playables in a given color. Um, given I could play any color uh, card because of this five-color commander, I didn't really have to worry about that. So um, that's why I'm considering that a pool, even if I'm one pack sort. 
So turning to the four normal pools, um, you know, there was sort of 24 packs I opened from the booster box I got. Um, two of them uh, seemed interesting enough to build around from a power level consideration. Um, but first, let's talk about some of the pools I didn't build. Um, one pool, you know, the exciting commanders to build around were the three-color Archelos, Lagoon Mystic, the Soul Tide Turtle Shaman Legendary that causes other permanents to enter tapped if it's tapped and untapped if he's untapped, uh, and Kolfenor, the last you, the absent tree folk shaman that lets me recur creatures from the graveyard whenever another one dies based on their toughness. Now, the other rares in this pool were the green Court of Bounty, part of the enchantment cycle that grants monarchy, um, which, you know, Saz and Sazat's Will, the black modal instant that will either force opponents to sack a creature or create thralls based on the power of creatures in their graveyards or both if I can call, call my commander. And I also had a Nightblade, a foil Nightblade Harvester, the elf summon uh, in black that grows and pings an opponent when they play lands. Now, obviously, I could have played both of these, uh, all three of these rares in either uh, Kolfenor or uh, or Soltai, uh, or in Archelos. Um, if I had gone with Archelos, I could have also added in Laboratory Drudge, the zombie horror that draws me a card if I activate graveyards, abilities from the graveyards, mostly in this set, you know, that's supposed to synergize with Encore. And if I had gone with Kolfenor, I could have added everything, um, you know, the everything but Commander board wipe uh, slash the ranks in white. I also opened a Flame Herald that grants Commander's Cascade, but that's in red and wouldn't have fit in either of these decks. You know, looking at back at in the pool that I was forced to build from this one, I probably would have done a general control build with Archelos, but there wasn't really much synergy with his ability specifically, um, and the other pools I felt had better power levels, you know, um, that, that this pool was relatively lagging, which is why I passed on this pool. Uh, the other pool I passed over had a similar power level issue at rare. Um, the spices thing I got were a red Wheel of Misfortune, uh, the wheel effect that totally doesn't break the reserve list, um, and Jeskai's Will, um, a red sorcery that either adds R for each card in my opponent's hand or lets me impulse draw three cards or both if I control my commander. Um, as well as a colorless reprint of Staff of Domination um, and a green Root Weaver Druid, the elf that has a mini Tempt with Discovery effect stable to it. And then I also had the rare lands of blue-green and red-blue, um, respectively. So, commander-wise, you know, that means I didn't really have... Um, you know, three color commanders here to to be able to play all of these effects. And mo again, my power is kind of diluted by having most of the, many of the rares here be the dual lands. So what were the commanders I could have built around? Um, one was Jury, Master of the Review, uh, who actually got bigger as I sacked permanence um, before dealing damage equal to its power when it died. I actually pulled a foil etched version as well as a normal version. Um, the thing is, I only had 12 effects in my pool that would trigger the sacrifice part. Um, so that didn't really have enough synergy, I think, to, to make it worth it. Um, I also had the dream pirate team of Breaches and Malcolm partnered together in red and blue. However, there were only nine other pirates' maddest cards in the pool aside from them, that would so that wouldn't let me take advantage of their abilities. Um, and I had a potential black-green elves deck with Numa, Jiraga Chieftain, and green partnered with either Nadir, Agent of the Duskanal, or Miari, Miara, uh, Thorn of the Glade in black. However, here I only had 12 other elves, including the rare I talked about earlier. And, you know, because of the way that this, the color worked out, I couldn't include 
you know everything I wanted to in one deck. So the poll just suffered from being pulled in three different directions, where which couldn't coexist under one color identity. So at the very least, at the very least, though, I got staples to build out a black green elves deck, um, as well as add to my current pirate deck. So those are the two pools I didn't play. What about what did I actually end up playing with? So the first pool was pretty ridiculous. Uh, I had three three color legendaries. Amareth, the Lustrous, which is a dragon in Bant, who lets me go through my deck faster if permanents I control Sierra type with the top card in my deck. Um, Navinriel, uh, Urbark Tyrant, and Esper, who creates zombies for every creature that died at the turning end of the battlefield and has a board wipe at the ready should he die. Um, and Jared Carthalion in Naya, who grants another player Monarch. Um, and if I'm Monarch, he can't die to damage, but uh, will only get stronger whenever he takes damage. I also cracked Belby, a Corrupted Observer in Golgari, who gives extra mana if my opponents take damage each turn. Uh, and, you know, any of these would have been super cool to build around. But, you know, the rares, and or more specifically the mythics I opened in this pool, which made my decision. And yes, I opened multiple mythics here. Um, at, in white, I opened Akroma, uh, the keyword soup commander, um, you know, angel who, who's just ridiculously powerful, um, and in Triumphant Reckoning, the sorcery that returns artifacts, enchantments, and planeswalkers from my graveyard to the field. Um, in black, I had Profane Transfusion, which lets me swap two players' life totals and creates a horror creature token that scales to the life difference between them. Um, and in red, I got Port Razor, the pirate who gives me extra combat turns so long as it attacks and connects with a different player each, ter- each time it attacks. On top of that, I also got another foil etched reprint in uh, Kerometra God of the Harvest uh, in Selesnia. So, you know, that's already all my mythics. And then on top of that, at rare, I had the blue Amphine Mutineer, the Salamander Pirate who polymorphs and encores. And at black, I had Plague Reaver, who does a good impersonation of a hot potato, enforcing players to either wipe their board or discard their hands to pass them around. Um, and also Sangio the Dark Baron, who gets bigger as creatures die and steals life when, pe- when players die. Um, and then in red, I also had Croc the Thumbless, who let me maybe clone instants or sorceries if I win a coin flip. I also opened the Black Green Dual Land um, as well. So with four Mythics in Naya Colors, I kind of had to go for the story equity and just play Zared Carthalion in order to get Akroma, um, Triumphant Reckoning, uh, Port Razor, and Kerometra into the deck altogether. So as far as the build itself, there were a couple of things going on. Uh, so obviously the most logical game plan would be to maximize Jared Carthalian's ability to grow bigger as he takes damage while being the monarch and via commander damage with only a couple things with only a couple swings from Jared. First order of business, I've got the monarchy back. Um, the easiest way here is Palace Sentinels and Entourage of Trust, a white and a green creature uh, who you know uh, just gives me gives me back the monarchy that uh, Jared had gifted away. Uh, one other part about Jared is that he synergizes well with plus one plus one counters. Uh, Scourging Bandar can transfer the counters on it uh, from himself to Jared, as can uh, Kinsbill Courier, both when it is first played and when it encores again. Uh, Inspiring War lets me go wide and put counters on all my creatures, and that combos nicely with Armorcraft Judge to refill my hand for each creature that has a counter on it. Um, 
I know, mindless automaton also synergizes well with that plan as well. Um, Ancient Animus also puts counters on Zared before letting him fight another creature, which, if I monarch, not only will go Zared from the plus one plus one counter, but when he, you know, and he and remove an opposing creature, but Zared will take the damage, prevent that damage, and grow uh, based on how big the creature he beat down was. So, you know, that's just another plus. Uh, Zared getting bigger from damage while in the Monarch turns other cards into sneaky permanent boosts um, to play dual duty with their other roles. For example, uh, Welding Sparks is either a removal spell for X plus 3, where X is the number of artifacts I control, or it gets me X plus 3 counters to Jared if I target him with the damage, assuming I'm the Monarch. Uh, Makeshift Munitions is an enchantment that lets me sack creatures or artifacts to ping down blockers to you know help me get the monarchy back by swinging through, or I can ping Jared himself directly to grow slowly. Uh, to fuel both these spells, I not only have five mana rocks, uh, all three in color diamonds, as well as an arcane signet and commander sphere, um, and as well as the aforementioned automaton, but I also have filigree familiar. And there are also a couple of pirates and goblins who create treasures or rocks, namely Brazen Freebooter, Two Impulsive Pilferers, and Togo Goblin Weaponsmith. Uh, a bit of a fun tag here. The Impulsive Pilferers, um, I can encore them from the graveyard and then sack them to makeshift uh, munitions uh, to get treasures and grow Jared um, by pinging him. Um, Togo's rocks can also be used to grow Jared if I have nothing else to do with my mana. I also have a Fathom Fleet Swordjack who wants me to accumulate these treasures and rocks uh, to deal direct damage to the player as the attacks based on the number of artifacts I control. Now, on the flip side of things, I can also grow Jared and make him a threat via enchantments and auras. Um, I had the green and white vows specifically, which grows Jared both in terms of size and granting him vigilance and trample. Um, and that also makes him a great blocker and attacker through blockers. Um, plus, you know, in a pinch, I can also use them as pseudo-pacifisms on opposing threats to keep them from attacking me. Angelic Gifts also grants him flying, and Anara Wolvid Familiar is in the 99 to grant him indestructible on turns he doesn't have Monarch. Um, and then Haunted Cloak is a great equipment, uh, which is relatively cheap, uh, that can grant the triple threat of Vigilance, Trample, and Haste in one package. And you know this means that all of these keywords granted to uh, Jared makes him combo particularly well with the aforementioned Akroma, who will grow Jared for each keyword he's able to get. Um, I think at most, between Haunted Cloak, Angelic Gift, and Anara, uh, Jared can get a plus five, plus five. And of course, you know, just a Chrome itself is a massive threat anyway. Uh, the rest of the pool was mostly to maximize the other mythics, mythics I was including. Kyo Kiyomatra is just pretty solid ramp, um, who happens to work well with other enchantments in, uh, that sit on the field to maybe turn her into a creature, you know, by adding to my devotion. Uh, Triumphant Reckoning uh, lets me return any of those auras to the battlefield in the late game so they have gotten milled or maybe, or maybe the creatures they were on got destroyed at some point. Um, include, this also includes a Kyometra that, while she's indestructible, could have been you know, discarded or, or milled from the top of my deck. You know, to add to that, Cage of Hands is essentially a movable pacifism that, again, can also be recurred with Triumphant Reckoning. And then Port Razor, as we talked about, uh, and Coastline Marauder as well, is a good late game threat that pairs well, um, you know, with Jared, uh, you know, once there are a ton of lands in play to just deal massive damage. Rounding out the deck, I have Elvis Visionary, just a good low drop creature that can block and replace itself to get through my deck a little bit faster, as well as two bits of removal, Natural Reclamation, which is the naturalized effect with Cascade, and Iona's Judgment that can exile any problematic creatures or enchantments. So... 
While that pool definitely has some ridiculous power at Mythic, um, I, it wasn't the only one actually. Um, I had another pool that arguably was even more interesting build to consider. So to set the stage, I had two commanders with three colors each in their identity. One was Gen, Arcanum Weaver, who was the Mardu Enchantments commander, and the other was Yorlock of the Scorched Thrash, uh, the Jund Mana Burn commander. Both overlap in red and black, which was great because I had opened up a blim comedic genius, the Rakdos Rare Legendary that gives a permanent eye control uh, to opponents as blim deals damage to them, and then it deals uh, damage and forces them to discard uh, cards from their hand based on how many permanents of mine they own, uh, or I own they, that they control. Now, going along with him is a humble defector who's you know easy enough to, to gift to somebody without needing blim. Um, but you know there's also a pretty cool sacrifice sub theme in Rakdos as well. Um, you know that, that could go under either of these two commanders. Uh, Furnace Celebration lets me pay two when I sacrifice something to sock anything. Uh, two copies of Defiant Salvager lets me sack any creature or artifact to grow them. Uh, which Sanitarium Skeleton is a pretty nice sack fodder given I can just recur it back if I have enough mana. Malfield Twins is a pretty good target as it replaces itself with two zombies, um, as does Eyebite Colors with uh, Elf Warrior tokens. Uh, Flashback Marauder forces all of my opponents to join in on sacrificing fun, and Noxious Dragon can kill a small thing at, if necessary when it's being sacked. Also, I didn't include it in the deck, but looking back at the pool, I totally should have included Portent of Betrayal to steal opponent's stuff to sacrifice. And of course, there are artifacts that sacrifice themselves. Universal Solvement to, fill, to remove anything, and Armillary Sphere to fix my mana. Uh, Spark Harvest is also a good sack enabler for cheap removal. Now, of course, all of this filling of the graveyard fuels uh, a Revenant, uh, who becomes a pretty large flying beater the more creatures I have in the graveyard, uh, and Core of Dark Tidings helps grow that by milling himself. Also, some generally good red and black cards that don't necessarily fit in this sub-theme but are still you know, pretty good to have. Uh, Volcanic Torment is a board wipe for two damage at least, um, if not more. Uh, Murder you know, is a good solid removal. And then two copies each of Crimson Fleet Commander and Staunch Throne Guard to grant me Monarchy. Um, as well as a Brazen Fruit Booter for some treasure. Now, given that red-black core, I would need about 12 more cards to fill in, either in white or green depending on which commander I went with. The Sacrifice theme could work uh, with Gen, who has a Sack of Felt for Enchantments built in. Uh, the only problem is I only had one enchantment in the deck as is. Uh, looking at my white cards, I had three spicy rares and mythics I could include. Uh, Keeper of the Accord is kind of white's posted boy for powerful cards in the set, and would be a good, generally just a good stuff card that has the added benefit of creating soldier tokens for me to sacrifice if necessary. Uh, Soul of Eternity is just a pretty big threat that when it encores, you can also work well with the Sacrifice Thub theme. Um, and, you know, I was also able to get a Foil Mythic in Archon of Coronation, which is, you know, again, more good stuff. It's just a, a big creature, a white creature that grants me the monarchy and keeps me from losing life to damage I take while I hold the crown. Now, aside from them, what else I have in white? Um, going with Gent's Sacrifice arc, uh, Enchantment sub-theme, there were four other enchantments. The aforementioned Cage of Hands, uh, which is a pacifism variant. Uh, First Response, which would give me more sack fodders. Um, Benevolent Blessing, which would act as protection. Uh, Intangible Virtue, that boosts my tokens, uh, though since they're mostly sack fodder, I don't think that's quite as helpful. Um, 
you know, in red, I also had Dragon Mantle that grants fire breathing. Um, and in black, I had Vow of Torment, which grants menace and, you know, grows a key to attach to while also acting as a pseudo-pacifism on my opponent's stuff. That's only six additional uh, enchantments for the deck. Um, there was also just some general removal with Skyroller Sod and Slaughter the Strong, as well as just good stuff cards like Palace Sentinels for the Monarchy and Core Cartographer to insert my land drops. Uh, I also had two Ninth Bridge Patrols and raised the alarms to, again, help the stack sub theme. Now, for the other commander in this pool, I was considering uh, Yorlock, uh, who would add green. And if white added two rares and one mythic to the pool, uh, green had its own spice in the form of two mythics and one rare. Uh, at rare, we had Sweet Gum Recluse, the uh, cascading spider who grows my board's power. Um, and at rare, we had the massive 10 out of 10, 10, 10 uh, Apex Devastator, who is cascades four times when it enters the battlefield. Um, as well as Kamal, Heart of Krosa, who grants my creatures, creatures power at combat turns um, and can turn my lands into powerful creatures. Now, all of these three mystics are pretty expensive, uh, but Yorlock being a mana dork himself would help with that. Um, in fact, I think Yorlock worked pretty well as a mana, mana dork in general since this deck is mo pretty mana hungry to fuel uh, Furnace of Celebration or to recur Sanitarium Skeletons. You know, plus, in my pool, I also had a Horizon Stone, which is an artifact that prevents my mana pool from emptying, uh, which turns off the downside of having the mana burn effect active for me, but not for anyone else. Having a Valkyrie Invoker who I could who could you know spend eight mana to deal three to anything um, as a mana stick also made that a lot more appealing. Now beyond these three mythics and a green rare and a green, what else would I add? Well, I already mentioned eye black colors, but I also had a number of elves in the pool as well, uh, including the uncommon Golgari legend Abomination of Landwar, who grows based on the number of elves I have both on the field and in the yard. Throw in Liz Alana Bowmaster, Finhorn Elves, Entourage of Trust, Finclade Fugitives, Elvis Visionary, and Ivy Lane Denizen, that rounded out my deck with a little nice elf sub theme to go with the uh, sacrifice sub theme. You know, ultimately, I think the deciding factor was the chance to run two mythics instead of just one. Um, that definitely helped my decision here. But you know, it's also the relative lack of synergy with Gen with most of this deck uh, that didn't help the Mardu deck's chances uh, in any case. Uh, also worth noting, in this pool, I also had about half a pirate deck, uh, led by Captain Vargas Wrath. Um, there were about 18-ish creatures or cards that cared about pirates specifically, including my very own Hull Breacher that I opened. Um, you know, so with a, a few other cards, I could have gone this route again, though again, definitely I wouldn't pass up the chance to play you know, with the Sweet Mythics. Finally, as noted before, uh, I had one more deck out out of the five. I was able to make one deck out of the five packs. I was fortunate to be able to be led by a almost dragon engine foil edge that I cracked. Um, as such, I don't really need to worry about how much of which cards to include here based on color identity, and so I could hone in more on what synergy to play. Unfortunately, I actually didn't keep the rest of the pool together, and so you know I I can't really tell you uh, what didn't go in the deck, um, but I can tell you what did. So despite having access to all five colors with Ramos, I primarily focused my, uh, on my favorite uh, Weds or Tri or Sard. I think it's the Weds, uh, the, the team with color pair or color color identity. Um, this played into one major sub theme with a couple of other smaller ones. Um, the main sub theme was pirates in red and blue, which had thirteen creatures, uh, including Is it? Uh, uh, the Izzet Lord Captain Vargas Wrath, um, and the Monarchy granting Azura Fleet Admiral and the Crimson Fleet Commodore, you know, among other pirates that I had. 
Um, these last two, you know, fit in well with a number of monarchy cards I had. Uh, two black of them uh, in the Thorn of the, in the Thorn of the Black Rose, um, a green Entourage of Trust, and the blue Enchantment Fall from Favor, as well as the artifact creature Staunch Thorngard. Um, the Staunch Thorngard actually uh, Thorngard also fit into a minor artifact sub theme I had. Uh, Ramos is of course himself an artifact creature, and Rebecca, Architect of Ascension, the only white card in the deck, uh, grants protection to all of my artifacts based on the CMCs of the artifacts I have on the board. Um, this mostly is there to protect Ramos, um, but uh, Universal Solvent protects Ramos from everything at one CMC, um, and also provides removal. Uh, Armillary Sphere and Prophetic Prism provided him protection at two. Um, and also provides fixing, and Commander Sphere fixes him, uh, protects him at 3 CMC in addition to ramping, as of course. Um, and of course, I have more other fixing for the three, in, in, for the three colors that I have, plus the two subs, uh, two black uh, and the, the three black and white cards I played in Gift of Paradise and Fertilid, who also ramp. Uh, now, the ramp also allowed me to cast some pretty expensive spells, uh, which is the other minor sub-theme, um, mostly in, in, in blue and green. Uh, Imodi, a uh, celebrant of bounty, is the Simic Uncommon uh, legendary who cascades and grants spells that cost six or more, such as Ramos, Cascade. Uh, Vinelin, the Moon Kraken, costing eight, also likes cards with CMC six or more, um, as he bounces permanents when I cast big spells. You know, other big spells in the deck include the Sweet Gum Recluse I talked about before at 6 CMC, um, as well as Slurk All Ingesting at 6, and of course the always handy board wipe Blasphemous Act at 9 CMC. I also have the Cascade Counterspell Forceful Denial um, and the Cascade Naturalize Natural Reclamation both at 5. Now, rounding out the deck is uh, essentially red-green legendaries. Um, you know, uh, uh, Tuya Bearclaw, um, who likes big creatures, which Ramos certainly can get very big. Um, and then Hans Eriksson, who can flip over a big fatty off the top of my deck. Um, all of these creatures also had me include Ancient Animus as a legendary fight spell. Um, you know, mana base-wise, Ramos being colors made it easier. Um, I didn't need to split up my colors too much to be able to cast them. I can just focus on the three main colors of red, green, and blue for the bulk of my cards uh, with the land search and fixing effects I had letting me get away with casting the three off-color cards with only one plains and one swamp. So, as noted, I'll post deck lists on the Twitter thread for this episode when it goes up. Um, but how did these decks perform? Um, again, as I noted, I played a couple of games Friday with these three decks um, on my online com cardboard community, and frankly, I had a blast. First up, I played my Yorlock deck. Um, now, the opponents in this pod were Lisa, the Orzov Innistrad Angel Sister, who hits every player for two damage whenever they cast spells. Um, it has a life uh, commander tax instead of a mana commander tax. Um, another Jared Carthalion deck, um, as well as a Rograk Halana partner deck. Uh, Rograk is the zero-cost Cobalt uh, with a ton of keywords on him, and Halana is the green partner who can make creatures fight when they enter the battlefield, uh, though honestly, she wasn't the focus of the deck, um, you know, and mostly it's just there that gives access to green. Now, in this game, Yorlock actually flooded out pretty hard. Um, I suspect I sort of considered the fact that he was a mana dork in the command zone means that I probably don't need to play as many mana sources in the main board. Um, you know, by far, the overperformers in this pod were Lisa and Rograk. Uh, Lisa hit each player for two whenever they cast a spell, definitely put us all on the clock. Um, and she was able to get suited up with some equipment that made her flying lifelink self undo whatever damage she was taking, uh, kept her life to her well above ours. Um, 
you know, and even when we removed her, you know, the fact that she didn't have a additional mana commander attacks meant that she could be coming back endlessly like a zombie. Definitely this Orzov white black grinding out value space. Now, Roguelike, on the other hand, definitely is a very aggressive uh, deck, and he's able to get off to a really fast start and suited up to deal tons of commander damage pretty early, especially uh, with Menace uh, getting around cases where there was only a single blocker in play for a particular player. Uh, in fact, Rorak's ability to kill via commander damage was what ultimately won him the win. Uh, despite Lisa continually gaining life on her attacks, um, you know, Rorak was just able to get in for 21. It wasn't close. Uh, it was a pretty close game, though. Uh, Rorak's player was able to get uh, Lisa was able to uh, Lisa was able to get Rorak's player down to only one life left uh, before Rorak was ultimately able to clutch out the win. So, uh, in the next game, uh, the Lisa player had to go take care of some stuff in real life, so we ended up uh, playing a three-man pod with the same Jared uh, Carthalian deck from my opponent, uh, Rograk and Halana from the other opponent. Um, I swapped in uh, Yorlock for my Ramos uh, Dragon Engine deck. Now, in this game, the dynamic of Rograk, we knew Rograk was going to be a threat, and he got, did get off to an early start and dealt a lot of damage. So... I was able to essentially control the situation by placing Fall of the Favor uh, on Rograk, keeping him locked down, and myself and the Jared player basically played keep away with the monarchy from the Rograk player. However, ultimately, the Rograk player had a secondary threat um, and prevailed, you know, despite me getting a pretty large Ramos in play by playing a lot of spells. Um, I was one turn away from dealing lethal commander damage. Um, he was able to suit up a Champion of Flame um, who grows for each enchantment and, and, and equipment on him um, and an out-of-nowhere Coastline Marauders that had trampled based on the number of lands I had, which by the late point in the game I had a lot, and he was able to knock me out with those guys. So, you know, Rograk player, an aggress- I think an aggressive deck with Rograk is definitely viable not only in limited but you know i think for for real commander decks as well i think um that player is planning on on changing it into like i think a maybe a boros uh roguerack deck with caliph sunmare familiar um giving him plus one plus one counters now after a few hours nap uh to let people get food and take care of family stuff um and after a game of you know normal commander with my omnath hide of the deck why one without attacking by using perilous forays to loop sacking elementals to trigger Omnath uh, to to deal lightning bolts to everyone. Uh, we got another pod going for for sealed. Uh, this time we had the same Zared Carthalian player um, playing with his deck, as well as a Gore Moldrak deck, the Simic Salamander commander, um, and Averna the Teamer Cascade commander. Um, I matched the Jared Catholian player with my own uh, Jared Catholian deck. Um, cue this like you know uh, uh, you know. Uh, the 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 uh, I, the, the Spider Man meme were pointing at each other. Um, in this game, the other Jared Catholian player and myself more or less vied for control as to who could get the larger Jared Catholian by trying to steal the monarchy from each other and then getting damage you know done to our players. Um, I actually played my Vow of Wildness on him uh, so that his Jared would not be attacking me, um, forcing him to hit, hit the other players with trample damage to, to get them out with commander damage. Um, and that KO'd the Averna player re- relatively early. The Gore Moldak player actually you know, played his deck a little bit more group huggy uh, with a Howling Golem uh, and granting everyone Salamanders. Um, now, the Vow of Wildness did... At- 
one point get knocked off, and I got hit by Jared, uh, the opposing Jared, for about 18 or 19 points commander damage. But I was able to take the win by casting a case of hands on on his Jared, um, which got my Karometra online uh, with all of the enchantments I had on board, and I grew Jared with the plus one, plus one counters, including that trick I mentioned earlier of sacking an Encore uh, Impulsive Pilferer to my Jared and then using the leftover treasures to swing in uh, with that pirate that deals damage based on the number of artifacts I control. I do admit I probably had a bit of an assist as the uh, as the other Jared player, a significant other, came in and applied some pressure on him to finish the game a little bit earlier, sooner rather than later, uh, which led to some pretty hilarious, frantic speed magic in the last round or so. But still, all in good fun and definitely enjoyed it. And I know that Jared Catalan player is definitely planning on converting that his Jared deck into a full deck, uh, I think uh, with a Fight Club theme. So anyway, one last note on the format. I've seen some people saying online that the life totals for the sealed format should be adjusted down to 30 life from 40 to prevent excessively drawn out games. I can definitely see this being the case in our last game where there wasn't really a true aggro deck in play, mostly mid-range with Jared Carthalions and a group hug uh, in in um, Gore Moldrak and then Averna just trying to, you know, uh, get value over the long run. Um, but I think in the games with Lisa and Rograk or the third player game, the three player game with Rograk, having an aggressive pop play, uh, player in the deck definitely put a fairly quick clock on play. Um, I really think it comes down to what your pot's commander mix ends up looking like. Overall though, I definitely enjoyed Commander Legends and I'm looking forward to the chance to draft it in person when it's safe to do so, not just doing sealed, um, even though that, that definitely was enjoyable. Uh, in any case, this podcast is coming to its resolution. Uh, let me know what you think. If you had a chance to play Commander Legends and what decks you've been able to play so far over webcam, uh, you can do that on Twitter at EtherVortexPod or via email at, at IntoTheEtherVortex at gmail.com. Uh, you can find Into the Ether Vortex on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, and you can leave a review on any of those podcast stores or on Podchaser.com. Links in the show notes. Uh, my architect with all of my deck lists is linked under the username NinjaBoy, boy with an I. I also sometimes stream Magic Arena at Twitch on NinjaBoy333. Um, I've lately been grinding Kaladesh Remastered, at least traditional, while we had it. Um, we'll see if I'm tested by best of one. Um, anyway, the intro and outro music is provided by Kevin MacLeod. You can see his stuff at incompetech.filmmusic.io. Editing and production is provided by NinjaBoy Media. Special thanks to this part of our community for the great games that helped me with this episode. Uh, we cast this pod every second and fourth Fridays of this month for now. Um, anyway, next time we'll be going over a EDH deck tech for which deck, I don't know yet. Um, but to find out, just tune in next time. So until then, may your lands be plentiful, but not too plentiful. And I pass the turn. <laughs>